Hello, everybody, and welcome back to my bookcast. I've been gone for a very long time again. So, see, I I made the A Court of Wings and Ruin review, like, right after I made my first review of the Akatar series, but I didn't make the second book, which is this one. So, I couldn't, like, release my third review because that wouldn't make sense, and I just kept procrastinating this, so that's an explanation. Um... But anyways, this is just going to be my spoiler-free, I'll try to keep it spoiler-free, um, review of A Court of Mist and Fury by Sarah J. Mass, which is the second book in A Court of Thorns and Roses, a.k.a. Akatar, um series. So that is what we're doing today. Oh my god, I feel like I haven't been producing anything and like y'all are getting sick of me, but it's going to be fine. I've been reading Shadow and Bone, so that's what I've been up to. Um, so yeah, let's go. So right away with Le Plot, um, we have, so in the last book, we kind of had this big climax and the first book starts off like there wasn't this huge gap or anything. It starts off right where it left it. I feel like a lot of books are like this ended and now it's like three years later and this is how we're faring. Um, but it starts off like from where we left off. No complaints there book with a really big plot twist like it is known for its plot twist I saw that plot twist coming from two two to three chapters away I was like oh my god like this is too like seriously this is what the plot twist is um what I thought was really interesting was that there was something that happened in the last book at the very end that kind of set up the plot for the upcoming novels which I thought was really really smart um and basically as a result of that, there's this new subplot slash added component in the second book that completely just changes everything you thought would happen. Like, it took a full, like, 180. Um, and now you're being introduced to this whole new side of the world that bears, and you get more of the politics, um, get more of just... I feel like in the first book, it was pretty much very confined to the Spring Court, um, which is like a little part of the world um, where the book takes place. But now because of this thing that's happened, you're really getting all of the courts and even some of like the other colonies and more of the mortal lands as well. So that was a good choice, Sarah J. Mass. Um, now with that's a quick summary right away with the pace, um, the pace, I feel like. In the beginning, the pace was slow, but it was explainable. Like, you could, there there had to be a continuation of the first book, and you couldn't just hop right into the plot. So it, it was, I understand why it was a bit slow. Um, it's like most second novels. I feel like I heard this thing where if it's if it's a trill if there's a trilogy, which A Court of Thorns and Roses is, the first book is like the setup, and the third book is like the wrap up, and the second book kind of needs to be the bridge, and that means stuff never really happens there because in the first book there's always world building, and in the third book there's always um, like loose end tying I guess so the second book is just kind of there to connect them um so it makes sense why the plot was a little bit dragging um in the first three parts but surprisingly I'm gonna tell you this right now the second book of this series was my favorite it was phenomenal um which I will not say for most books like second books kind of suck for most series um and I really liked this one we had good expansion of the world and the plot 
like I said, the first book is definitely more of the world building. And sometimes the second book is just like, there's not really much you can build on because you already said it. But like I said, like I said before, there's this new added component that lets you explore more of the world. And then there's this also new plot because of that. Does that make sense? Like there was this thing that happened in the first book, which led to a subplot, which led to some more world building, which led to another plot. Does that make sense? That's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) So that's what's happening in the second book. Very multi-layered. Um, if you can't tell, there's a lot of foreshadowing, a lot of like if a character mentioned this thing in the first novel and you forget about it, it's going to reappear like in the 15th chapter of the second book. So very multilayered. They every single thing that happens has a connection to another thing, which I think makes it, the book a lot easier to soak in to comprehend because it makes it a lot easier not to forget because I feel like with a lot of dystopian slash fantasy books there's a lot of info dumping you kind your brain kind of chooses which information to keep and which information that you deem unimportant so this is a good method to making sure your reader stays interested and focused on the novel and I just the the last like five chapters of the novel sent me like, there were just 300 plot twists. Like, if you, if you thought that... I'm trying to think of a book with a lot of plot twists. Um, but let's just say that, like, I kid you not, at the end of every chapter, it would have one sentence that completely just changed the plot. So it would be like, you thought this, and then in chapter, if there was like 70 chapters, chapter 65, you'd be like, nope, we're doing that. And you're like, okay. And then that next chapter, you're like, okay, I'm getting used to this new plot. But then it changes it again. So it's like, there's always these new added components and new plot twists that you're, your mind is just trying to like, your mind is reeling, basically. Um, anyways, I just, oh my god, those plot twists were so, I did not see them coming. Like, I feel like I'm the person who sees a plot twist coming from chapters away. Like for The Red Queen, which is a fairly popular, not to be like humbling or anything, but these plot twists came out of nowhere. So all I'm trying to say is if you're like me and you think you know plot twists, just read this book and just you wait because it it's mind boggling. Mind, I just, I still to this day, one month later, I cannot get my head around the fact that that happened. Like what? <laughs> um. So phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal is all I can say. Okay, after that humongous rant about the plot, um, we are going to talk about Le Romance. It, It hurts me so much to talk about it in such a good way. Like, it, it was one of the best romances I have ever seen. I I think about it every day. I think about it every day and I'm astonished and I'm pained. Like, why did Sarah J. Bass have to create a romance that good? Like, why? Why? Uh, that's how you know. I, I feel like I'm really picky with my romances. I if there's if it's like a haters to lovers that is way too fast, I'm like, child, no. I don't sorry. Or if it's like an insta-love, I'm like, really? Like, mm. But this, this is why I read books. Well, not really, but this is why I read romance books. Because if 
I just want to say that romance authors or just specifically fantastical romance authors just need to take notes because this is well done. Five out of five stars. This is the reason this book got a five out of five stars for me. This is the sole reason. I mean, the plot was great, but this is the sole reason. It was... It is... I just... Please, please, please. This... I'm like literally speechless. I'm literally speechless. Like, this romance is the best romance I've ever seen. Like, hands down, no debate, five stars. It will it will probably never meet a romance just as good. Like, this is top-notch. So, if if there's another reason you should read this book, this should be the reason. This should be the reason you pick up this book. Because you won't regret it, okay? Um, okay, now getting into the actual details besides just me ranting about how good the romance is. Um... So, let how do I explain this to you without spoiling it? So basically, first novel, we have I'm just going to we have Tamlin, okay? He's the love interest of the first novel. Um, we are all rooting for him. Every person who has read the first book is rooting for Tamlin. Um, and then in the second book, like I don't know how to explain it, but Sarah J Mass just changed the love interest it just changed the love interest so subtly, subtly, sub- subtly, very subtle is what I'm trying to say. Like, I thought I was a diehard rooter for Tamlin, but I don't understand how in literally six chapters, Sarah J. Mass changed my mind. Like, I feel like I really don't like love interest changes. Like, I want it to be love interest A from start to finish. I don't want a love interest B in there. No, 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 no. But I'm just going to say right now, A Court of Mist and Fury was a love, in- a love interest changed, but she made, she made me change my mind without even, even me realizing I changed my mind. It was like one time, one day I was rooting for Tamlin. The next I was like, who's Tamlin? Why do I even like him? I don't know. Explain to me. So I'm, my mind is still reeling from that. I'm literally, like, so confused right now. <laughs> um, but definitely, I feel like if you thought the first book was a great romance, and if you thought the third book, well, no one really thinks the third book has a great romance, but if you thought the first book had a good romance, then this book was, it's time to shine. Like, this is the, inf- this is, a Court of Mist and Fury is infamous for its romance. Like, I will guarantee you, anybody who has read this will know what you're talking about. Anyone who has heard of A Court of Mist and Fury or A Court of Thorns and Roses will know what you're talking about. That is how infamous it is. Sarah J. Mass is just infamous. Like, her books, I don't know. It's just, this is, yes. All I'm gonna say is that the romance this book was t- was its time to shine. Like, if you thought A Court of Thorns and Roses was a great romance, then just you, just you wait. Like, you ain't seen nothing. Because A Court of Mist and Fury, if, if you ask literally anyone out there, like, what they remember from A Court of Mist and Fury, they will tell you they remember the romance, and that's it. They will not know a single thing about it. I don't even know. I don't even remember. I remember, like, three things from the plot, which are, like, integral things, obviously, that helped me, like, 
keep my memory up to date but like actually like many details about the plot like where they went on chapter 22 like no I don't remember a single thing that happened so the romance is so beautiful it's not profound love I'm not gonna say it's like it's not like I don't know some godly soulmate love but it is well done it is bingy writing it is good it is good is all yes so good so for the characters I am so glad we got to see, like, characters that had real-life human problems. I feel like with a lot of fantastical characters, they're always portrayed as this, like, godly human being that's just... I mean, nothing's wrong with them, right? They're just, you know, you know what I'm saying. And I think that this... The first few chapters that I said were kind of dragging in plot really boosted the humanity or the humanness of this of Feyre the main character I mean in the end of the first book we had this huge life-changing thing that happened to her and it'd be kind of weird if in the beginning of the second book like there was no repercussions because of that or no effects of because of what happened so I'm so glad Sarah J Mass chose to include some real life problems that some might face if they encountered into this which they never will but you know you know that's what I'm trying to get across so I'm glad that she chose to she chose to portray this character as flawful rather than flawless um and with most of the characters i feel like in this book we get introduced to different characters i feel like if this book followed the characters that it would in the first book the it would it would be kind of less intriguing but because we got introduced to a whole new set of characters which will be your favorite characters by the end of the series I guarantee you we got to see it was like a second it was like a second world building slash character introduction thing which I really really liked all of the characters I have no complaints I know every single characteristic about them they're so well done I think about them every day so no complaints about that and since I said it there were a lot of new character introductions. I'm so glad it wasn't overwhelming because I feel like, you know, when there's like a series and you get introduced to these original, say, three characters and you're super attached to them. And then when there's a new character that appears, it's usually a very overwhelming, like they're just pouring information on you. They hope that the information will stick. B, the character is like trying to be the new main character, but you're like, what? Or C, which is all of the above. <laughs> so I'm so glad that the characters weren't trying to steal the spotlight. They were the perfect side slash main characters. Like they were side characters, but you loved them just as much as the main characters. And it was a good introduction to them as well. And each character played a played a part in the plot. That's a really good alliteration, by the way. Played a part in the plot. <laughs> um it wasn't just like this character shows up for chapter two and then does this and then leaves because that's all they're needed for. No, they had integral parts and they stuck through the book. They stuck through um, the third book as well and the fourth book and the fifth book, which I haven't read, but the fourth book too. So I don't know what you want me to say. The characters are just so good. I feel like I'm trying to explain to you how good this book is, but it's just, I don't know if it's coming across or not, because I feel like I rant really good when the book is bad, <laughs> instant karma, like, I feel like I rant, like, oh, this character did this, and I was like, excuse me, but I feel like with good books, I just can't explain to you, I just have no words for it, that's how good it is, and this is one of the books that I say, I cannot explain to you how good it is, like, that is how, oh, I'm being so redundant, anyways, I'm just going to give a quick little wrap up now that I've covered plot, romance, and characters. 
<clears throat> five out of five stars, no question. Let's not even talk about it. Yeah. Um, it was my favorite out of the Akatar series. It is probably in my top five, maybe three favorite books. I don't know. It is definitely my top two favorite romances. Uh, probably my number one. I'm really trying to debate that now. <laughs> um, but if you have one thing to take away from this episode, it is to read A Court of Mist and Fury, which means you have to read A Court of Thorns and Roses. So that is your lesson of the day. That is your homework from Teacher Morella. So I hope you enjoyed this review. I know it was very, I don't know, long away. It's not like I have like a fan base or anything, but it was it took a long time. I'm sorry for that, but I hope this was worth it. I, I don't even know how long this is. I probably longer than 10 minutes because if you listen to this all the way through, I applaud you. But we still have a third episode. So thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time. Love your favorite bookworm.